0: So, at our house, we had um, our air conditioner and heater replaced uh, this week. On Friday, they came over to do that. Uh, when they were replacing the furnace in the attic, they found that the heater had not been secured properly. And uh, Anna was there, of course, and kind of overheard them talking about it. And uh, um, if I understood it correctly, like, they almost kind of like put it, the heater under a piece of plywood and set it almost like on the sheetrock or something. I mean, something crazy, you know. So I don't know if they were saying like this house could have burned down because Anna said they brought all this charred stuff out of the attic, you know, or if they were saying like you know somebody could have been walking through and that furnace could have just busted through the uh, sheetrock, you know, and took it, taken us out that way. But anyway, either way, I think they were alarmed. And um, it's now properly, you know, done. And I actually saw how it was supposed to be done. So if you need me to check your attic, you know, I'll be able to look in there and be like, yeah, I don't look quite, you know, I don't know about that. Too much char there to make me comfortable, you know, that kind of thing. But um, I think it is interesting because uh, sometimes there are things lurking in the shadows of life that you know nothing about. I mean, they're hidden, and maybe lack of knowledge and understanding, maybe it's, uh, I don't know, lack of focus, that there are things hidden from you, and you just don't know that they're there, and they're kind of right, what we would call, below the surface or above the surface. And um, they could hit you and hit you really hard, and you're just not aware. And... um, I think this is a particular kind of, like this study, uh, it kind of helps you in that regard because it helps you see that there were temptations for the Jew and the Gentile. The Jew being, you know, what we would say is like God's chosen people in the Old Testament. You can uh, see him working with a distinct nation. Uh, And the Gentile being everyone that wasn't a Jew. And so the church is formed and the church is made up of people Uh, of both Jew and Gentile from all over the world. And Colossae would have people from a Jewish background uh, that were living, uh, you know, away from their land. And then they would also have uh, Gentile people that were coming into the faith. And so all that's kind of converging together. And you not only have uh, that, but you have this convergence of worldviews where you have people uh, that have some kind of Jewish background, but still grew up in a Roman world. And you have People that just grew up in a Roman world, and there were influences from all of that. And so I I just say it to say uh, there are things uh, sometimes that you don't know that you need to be warned about because you just uh, are oblivious to them for one reason or another. Um, One of the things that uh, that I think happened with some of them was there were a lot of uh, just like there is today, uh, people that are, are are. Kind of projecting religious systems, you know, and you can find that on YouTube or whatever. I mean, it, it's all over um, where people are talking about uh, ways in which, you know, you can be whole and complete and full and cleansed and, you know, and some of that deals with your physical self and some of it with your emotional self. And I mean, there's a long list of things that you can be taught about. So we have those mystery religions like all around us. You might not think of it as a religion, but it is a a system, a way of thinking and all of that. So there's that thing, which would be kind of like what would maybe go with the Greek thought. And we probably are very much uh, attached to things that are new and novel. And we need to almost like a new way of doing it and say, well, maybe they're just changing the language and all that kind of stuff. We're, we're always kind of seeking for some new thing, a new way of doing something. And there's plenty of people out there telling us stuff. That's kind of what was going on in that culture with, with regard to maybe the Greek thought. There was all these kind of things like that. And then the other thing that kind of would happen with these churches, again, made up of Jew and Gentile, would be that um, some of the Jewish people would be unfamiliar, but but really the Gentile people would be unfamiliar uh, about anything to do with Jewish a Jewish understanding. So they didn't grow up with the old, not all of the, those people that were coming to faith in Christ grew up with an Old Testament. And so somebody could walk in and be like, I know you have this Paul letter written by this person or that person, or you've heard this message, but, I mean, you don't know anything about Hebrew and you know nothing about the Hebrew Bible. And so you'd be like, ah, I don't, I'm ignorant of all this. I don't know what to do. And so what am, who am I supposed to listen to? And so you understand, Paul's speaking to people. they they got all these different worldviews, different types of teaching. Uh, there was a guy that goes in and preaches the gospel, and behind that guy are people giving him all these voices, speaking in kind of what you would say into their life. And some of you know what this is like, um, and, you know, because you do. I mean, you have all those competing voices in your head, you could listen to thousands of sermons, uh, your news all the time. You can scan through all this stuff, and you could get sound bite after soundbite after soundbite, and some of you don't know this, but uh, the more you search things, the more they know what to craft for you, and the better they are at telling you what you kind of want to hear, and then you start to think everybody thinks this way, and then you blurt it out on social media, and everybody's like, stop being a weirdo and saying s- silly stuff. You know, I know you've listened to a bunch of sound bites, but that doesn't mean you're educated, right? And so anyway, uh, within Christianity, that's kind of also a struggle. And so that's kind of what we're looking at today. And so Paul wants them to grow up into full maturity. He wants them to grow up into full maturity. And um, spiritual maturity means that they're going to hold fast to Christ as their supreme Lord and sufficient Savior. That, that's at the heart of it. But here's the thing. He's been pounding on them. You hold fast to Christ. And today, he's going to begin one of three warnings that we will see. You ready for the first one? Don't get kidnapped. That's the first one. That's what we're looking at today. Second, don't let anyone condemn you. Third, don't let them disqualify you. So we are going to be looking at, don't let people, don't let them kidnap you. They are going to promise to fill you but they're going to rob you of everything, of all the hope, of all the joy, of all the happiness. They are going to crush you under the weight of their rules. Right? It's like the Pharisees where Jesus said, they'll make you twice the sons of hell. Why? Because you'll go from one way of living to another set of rules. Both rules will damn you. So he's just saying, don't let that happen, okay? So here's what happens. He says, don't be tempted to return to slavery. Live in the freedom that you have in Christ. And so we're going to see three things that uh, R.C. Lucas speaks of that we should see in this text. One is fullness, the other fellowship, the third freedom. So those three things will help you not return to slavery. We don't have time to do everything in this passage that could be done. And so we're going to move, and hopefully I can move you through it, and you'll be able to understand it, go home and think on it further as you already have been studying. So, verse 8, we're looking or thinking about fullness, but we have to start by looking at those who are trying to steal their concept of fullness and their understanding. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world. So, when you think about this, these false teachers have come in, They have a philosophy, not a particular. It's just a system of logic that they have. It is man-made. It's man-made. It is meant to draw them away. They may be able to package it well, but that's the idea. It might be entertaining and interesting. I've always been amazed at people listening to sermons, and they're like, that was really funny. He told a great story. And it's like, yeah, but was there any gospel? I don't really, you know, like at the end of the day, can you listen to something and be discerning? He's trying to help you think, like, don't be captivated by a really good whatever argument, you know, is kind of the idea. Um, and so in that, like, there's all of these people, they're around this kind of talk. It's very common for people to speak of some kind of spiritual enlightenment. It's common in our culture. And he's saying, don't be taken captive by this philosophy. He calls it empty to see. And so it's almost one of those things where, I don't know if you ever eat anything that you eat it. And, uh, well, we were talking about this the other day with our boys. Sometimes uh, you could have the most amazing dessert, and if you separated them from something, some kind of candy and had them eat it, they like it. But you set out the candy... They, they're going to the candy. And you're like, "That's this dessert took somebody three hours to make, and you're what are you doing, right? It tastes good with candy on the front end, and then it kind of ruins you on the back end, right? And so it's one of those things I think we have to say, like, look, don't, we don't want to buy into that. They were struggling with that because people would say something like this, Don't you really want to have intimacy with God? Wouldn't it be awesome to be, to experience transcendence and joy and happiness all the time? Are you ever sad? Is your heart ever broken? Do you ever feel like you just, is this all there is? And they'll lay out this whole thing and you're like, "Uh, I feel like that, you know? And then they're kind of like hooked you, you know, and drawn you in. And so that might be kind of, again, what is taking place. This captive by philosophy that's empty. It's, it's built around human tradition. And so what that means is it's man-made. It's man-made. You know how you, like right now, I think, you know, we will read about manufacturing in America. People are saying, let's bring it back. We want made in the USA. Their religion is stamped down, made by man. And any time a religion is made by man, it's a bad thing, right? So I think it's just important that we understand that and understand what is going on. It's full of lies. It is empty. It leaves you empty, not full. It leaves you empty and not full, right? It's not the kind of thing that will satisfy you spiritually at all. It doesn't do that. Um, so I think that's important just to say. And again, th- it looks like so many different things. When you look at somebody and you say, what have you been doing to really get yourself in a good place and to take care of yourself? And they lay out a long list of things. that's like, I'm a Christian, but man, to really feel right. There's a bunch of that. There is a bunch of that. Our culture is filled with that and so I just think it's important to understand that now here's the interesting thing I just want you to notice in this text and you're going to say like, how are you going to get through this I hope I will but we'll see so notice what it says according to the elements uh, elemental spirits uh, of the world what is that saying anything that is opposed to the gospel is an anti-gospel and anything that is an anti-gospel is led by Satan I mean, so in that sense, I just think it's important to say if the philosophy and the religion and the place to get to God and the place to feel full and right and true, any of those things that are separated from the gospel or added to the gospel come from an anti-gospel that is empty and has nothing to offer you with regard to being right with God. They claim freedom and fullness, but instead, bondage and emptiness is what you get. So, I think that's important to say that because your heart was made with fellowship for fellowship with God, and you want to enter into fellowship with God. God's way, because there is only one way, and that is through His Son. And there is fullness forevermore in Him. And the hymn writer said, "On Christ's solid rock I stand; all other ground is." sinking sand and that is true it is true you do not want to step into something other than christ in contrast the christian gospel brings you into spiritual fullness and uh, that that you all are longing for and we need to keep drawing close to that verse 9 and 10 for in him speaking of jesus the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority so what is this saying in Jesus Christ is the fullness of God, bodily. In Jesus, God has come down. In his flesh, we have the transcendent God forever. It's um, God dwells with us in him, and we are in him. This one flesh, uh, or this union between the God and the Son that came to this earth, these two coming together, two natures. He is one. And so what we understand is Jesus is both the eternal Son of God and He became flesh, and that will be the case forever. And so He's just trying to help you understand that we, we need to gra- grasp that. That's who Jesus is. He is the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily in Him. And you are filled in Him. So if you want to be right with God, know God, feel Him, experience Him, you experience it through His Son. He is the head over all rule and authority. He is over all things. And so you could just say, like, just to kind of get your mind wrapped around that, is, is th- this is something you need to, to t- get to because if you want to say, oh, I want a spiritual connection, this is the only place that it's found. If you have a quest for... Um, I don't know, for fullness in like knowing God, if you go any other place, it will lead to emptiness and sadness and sorrow and despair. There is no place. Your heart will only be satisfied for your longing for God if you enter in by faith uh, to trusting Jesus Christ. So I think it's important that we see that because it is the heart of this. Paul is saying, don't let that happen to you. Don't be drawn away. Don't listen to these people that lie. Behind the door of those liars is spiritual darkness and emptiness. Behind the door of the truth is a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. So you're to be filled in Him. You don't want, you do not want a cheap substitute. It it is that, and that's it. That's all that it is. So one is like, don't be... Don't be drawn away. Don't return to like a form of slavery that leads you empty. Instead, find fullness in Christ. The next one is verse 11 and 12. It speaks of fellowship with Christ. In Him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised Him from the dead so some people might have been saying like listen you haven't been circumcised you aren't in fellowship with God you know that's a huge deal remember Moses and his family and all this kind of stuff like what is going on I think in this context just to kind of summarize this the old covenant sign of the people of God was circumcision and it pointed forward to the cross the new covenant sign is baptism, and it points back. They're both signs. They're signs of a covenant. And I think it's important to understand that. It's a new covenant sign. And so verse 11, in Him also you've been circumcised. So Paul's going to say, he's not going to say circumcision's not important any longer. That's not what he's saying. He's saying here You've been circumcised with a circumcision not made by human hands. It's through this circumcision of Christ. And so what what is he saying? And I think it's just important, again, to see this and understand that. He says, you have to be be circumcised. You've been circumcised in Christ. You have this inner, you could say, spiritual reality, the circumcision of Christ. It's a, it's a way of saying, again, we've talked about man-made religion, and now we're talking about this man-made thing done with human hands, the sign. It's man-made. And he's saying, like, listen, this is, not, this is not the thing that you need. You do not need to go back to the Old Testament sign, because in this new covenant, you have experienced this by God. It was at the hands of God that you have been circumcised. Now, what's he saying? I, I think it's just, you can listen to these texts. It will help you to understand the spiritual nature of it. Mark 14, 58 says this. He said, tear down the temple made with hands, and in three days I will build something without human hands. Acts 7, 48. He reminds the hearers, the Most High does not dwell in houses made by hands. Ephesians two eleven describes circumcision made in the flesh by hands. And what we're seeing here is that the true circumcision is something that God does. It's something that God does. And what you know is that physical circumcision pointed to uh, a a, a spiritual circumcision that was to take place. Deuteronomy uh, 30, verse 6, Moses says, God will circumcise your hearts and the heart of your offspring so you will love God. Circumcision is something to be done. Uh, to the heart. The physical circumcision was a sign that pointed to the work of grace to love the Lord and live. And so, a true Jew is not just one outwardly that's been circumcised, but someone who has inwardly been circumcised in the heart. Now, look at verse 11. This putting off of the body of flesh, some think this is speaking of our sinful nature, um, but uh, I, I don't know that I would go there. I think it's probably, you could go back to 1, uh, twenty-two in Colossians, and you'll see that we are reconciled in Jesus' body of flesh. So what's he speaking of? I think he's saying the sign of circumcision is a bloody ritual, and if you were to break the covenant, it would fall on you, kind of. That's the idea, turning away from the Lord. Paul is speaking of the cross, and Christ's death was a kind of circumcision where his flesh was torn away, violently he underwent the wrath of God so that you as a covenant breaker he could stand in your place that's kind of the idea there's a lot to discuss in that regard but I think what you want to see is this in union with Jesus Christ you have a heart change and a new life so again the enemies of these people uh, that, that are trying to hurt the church have first dealt with like you're not full and he's saying. All fullness is found in, with Jesus. Then they're coming in and saying, you don't have fellowship. And you say, no, all fellowship has been found in Jesus. You don't need the external uh, old covenant thing. What you need is to be transformed in the heart, and you have been. Because you're in Christ, he, took, he, was, uh, he has done for you a spiritual circumcision that's now been done on you, and your heart's been changed. It's clear. So this stuff's heavy, hard. Sometimes you just got to Kind of take it in as you go. But anyway, verse 12, having been buried with him in baptism, again, this is a new covenant sign of baptism, continues with showing your union with Christ. You've received the benefits of his death. When we take someone down in the water, we are saying they are they're, they're going down in the water. As they go down, uh, they are uh, all of the benefits, that's what we're saying, of Christ's death. Are theirs and they come up to a newness of life, all the benefits of the resurrection are theirs. Right? And you really can't separate his death from his resurrection uh, because when we think of union with Christ, it includes all of that. You have been united to him, so that through his death your sins have been paid for. God's wrath has been satisfied. The perfect Lamb of God became a curse for you. This is the Christian gospel. Baptism is a sign like circumcision that is an outward sign that, de- that is to demonstrate an inward transformation of the heart. And so I think it's important that we understand that. It, it, it's, it's, it, we need to see that. Because our fellowship with the Lord, we need to understand, we have fellowship through the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing else left to do. In which, you go on to 12b, you were raised. In which you were raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And so what is he saying? That union includes being raised. How do we enter into it? By faith. We enter into it by faith having been raised and he has transformed our lives. So when you're looking at this text and understand it, you're saying he has brought new life. He, 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 is, he has transformed us. He's brought me from death to life. I enter into this by faith. And, and, and you understand that these signs are reminding us of a changed heart. It's a powerful demonstration of what it means to be united to Him. And so, I think it's important to see that. And you could say, maybe at the end of this, the sign of circumcision was something performed on all Jewish males On the eighth day at their physical birth, the sign of baptism is performed on all, both Jew and Gentile, who call upon the name of the Lord as a result of the new birth. So I think we need to see that. And that means that we have fellowship with God. God has circumcised our heart. God has brought us from death to life. God has done it. And we are thankful. So then there's also freedom. I think that's the next step. In 13 through 15, you have freedom through Christ. And you who are dead in your tresp- uh, trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him, having forgiven all your trespasses. So God has forgiven you of all those things. You have, you're have you no longer in bondage to them. You're not. And I think that's important to see. And not only that, God's done it. Um, God made us alive together. God is the one who initiates it. God's the one that changes us and transforms us it is not something we do with our human hands it is something God has done and that's what we have to see and we have to be reminded of God made us alive we don't bring ourselves to life we don't make ourselves uh, new creatures in Christ we don't bring ourselves to spiritual life and we don't bring ourselves to physical life God does it now notice what happens in what he has done Verse 14, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This is just a really helpful thing. A bond or certificate of indebtedness should come to mind when you think of this. And then God's holy perfection is what is demanded. So in this moment, you're like, man, how are we going to do this? So there was a man, Martin Luther, who really struggled with that because he said he wanted to square all his accounts with God. But he realized... The problem, we cannot pay the debt that we owe. And so, someone has to do it for us. The, the, the law kind of bring, comes in and it makes its legal and inescapable demands, but Christ has canceled the bond. The word here is familiar to Bible students when translated blotted out or wiped away. Whether or not there was kind of a surface that they had to go through, the cancellation implies a total obliteration of any mark that remains against us. Nothing. Christ has done that. that. That's an important thing. The next one is this He set aside, nailing it to the cross. It's like a public declaration. He brings it up and He puts it on the cross. It's a public way of saying, almost like when Pilate put up the, the charges against Jesus, this is a public place, a public declaration. It, it's really kind of saying like, this is... I want you to see and understand we have re- been redeemed. The curse and condemnation of a broken law belonged to the Colossians before their conversion, and now it's been not only set aside but publicly declared. That's the idea. The sinner is in trouble like because of his deep sins, and he cannot be delivered from the rightful demands of the law. But through his own conscience... Might still, con- I mean, sorry, though his own conscience might still condemn him in Christ and for his sake, these demands have been absolutely and irrevocably set aside. Nailing it to his cross, they went with him to his tomb to be buried there forever while Christ rose, having fully met the divine demands upon his people. That's awesome. I mean, I know some of this is like heady and you're thinking, oh man, but you just understand. People are hammering that church with all kinds of teachings. You need more. You need more than Jesus. You need more than Jesus. You need to follow these old covenant rituals. You need this. You need that. You need more than the gospel that has been presented to you for you to be right with God, for you to be full, for you to have fellowship, for you to be free. And he's like, no, no, no. You need him. You need him. Verse 15, just again, just kind of putting this together. In verse 15, we see the powers were disarmed. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Paul goes back to the cross. The spiritual foes of mankind were disarmed, as Jesus had foretold. He defeated them. So let's think about this text. I mean, I think it is a little bit difficult. I I think that sometimes we are living in a state of, like, just above or below the surface, there are things going on. And you you don't know, but you know in your own life you're saying, like, isn't there more? Some of you are, like, maybe really successful. Some of you maybe are in a marriage where you're like, I wish it could be better. I, I want it more full. I want a fuller life. And you can go on, I don't know, all kinds of social media and you can think about, if I did this, I would feel better physically. If I changed this thing about me, I would be, you know, I would feel more, whatever. And then you kind of take it a step further and be like, if my spiritual life could just be a, I mean, I understand that Jesus saves us from hell, but, like, I really need to kind of be in a better place mentally and feel better and think better and clean my head. And, and we could go through a long list. Or some of you may be just kind of prone to be like, I don't know, man, I I just think maybe there's some ancient things that were out there that I need to find, and you're kind of always wanting to go to, like, search all those things out, and you're thinking about, like, what all you can kind of uh, figure out spiritually and maybe kind of get yourself right. And Paul says, listen, any of that stuff is going into slavery, any of it. And your fullness in Christ is that you have relationship with the eternal Son of God reigning at the right hand of the father and you're seated with him and those of you who are struggling with fellowship you understand that you have like went down into the the waters if you will of judgment and come out on this other side with jesus you're reigning with him and living with him forever And some of you who might think, you know what? Like, I feel guilty all the time. I can't get over the sins I've committed. I can't get over the powers that might be lurking in the shadows outside that are coming after me or in my head. And he's saying, there's freedom here. There's freedom here. Jesus is over all. He rules over everything. He has defeated all of your enemies. He has canceled every debt. He is more than enough. And some of you are like, I've heard a hundred sermons. I've been around this for a long time. And you need to turn back to those things, these things, and you need to dwell on Him, the fullness of God, fellowship with God, freedom with God, all bound up in the Son. You just, some of you today, as you take the Lord's Supper, you need to, Meditate on those realities. There is something in here that is lurking in the shadows of your life. I promise you. There is something that is you're battling with that needs to be met with this text. And you need to bring this text before it and let it come under the obedience of Christ. He is Lord He is your Savior. And you need to fight that battle by faith today. And you need, as you take the Lord's Supper, to be reminded that all the benefits here are true for you. And stop living back in slavery. You don't want to go back to that. Just like the children of Israel, you don't want to go back to Egypt. You don't want to go back there. It is a place with chains. And it is a place of tyranny. And it is a place of weightiness. And it is a place of destruction. And it is a place of malnourishment. You need to come to the only one who will really satisfy your soul. Because all the counterfeits are truly that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask for wisdom. Please, Lord, give those here, including myself, in this weighty passage, give us the ability to see once again the wonder of the God-man and being united to Him by faith. May we see it and treasure it and love it today and forever. In Christ's name, amen.